0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Screen Nerds Podcast. My name is Michael Burgett and thanks for joining me for this quick screen episode of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the fourth film in the Harry Potter film series. Uh, now, as you uh, have known from some of the previous episodes I've mentioned, this is my first time uh, in watching or even you know, keeping up with the Harry Potter series and so uh, I'm now to the fourth film and going in I was really hoping that uh, as I mentioned in the previous episode that this would be a step up from the second film and the third film because I felt like that those kind of were a step down from the first film and so I was hoping that this one was at least a step up and overall I enjoyed this film. I didn't enjoy it as much as the first film. Right now, to me, the first film is still probably my favorite of, of the bunch, but this one was much better than the second one and the third film, and I took down some notes as I uh, have done with the, the previous films, and so I wanted to share some of my thoughts. The first thing right off the bat, I really appreciate and I'm glad that we did not have the aunt, the uncle, and the cousin. To start the film, I, I, I think that that was a wise choice to not have them at the beginning of the film because there was uh, a real annoyance with those three that their um, my patience was that with them was running very short. Like I don't think I would have handled yet another film with them harassing and torturing Harry even more so than they had in the previous film. So it was good that they started off the way they did, kind of setting up the villains, showing that Voldemort in the form that he was in, um, was there and that he, you know, he is the big bad of this series and that, uh, kind of as he was, you know, way in the background, uh, not, not even existent in, the last film and the last story, but here he's—it's almost immediately, you know, brought to the forefront of. Yes, he's here. Yes, he's the bad guy, and he's going to be prevalent in the story moving forward. So I thought that was good. Uh, one of the things I didn't expect to see when I was watching this film, and again, it shows my ignorance of the series, was, you know, two big actors in, you know, fantasy genre, what, you know, being Robert Pattinson and David Tennant, and both of them had really important roles in the film, Uh, and so it was kind of, you know, it kind of took me by surprise to say, hey, that's Robert Pattinson, hey, that's David Tennant, especially given the fact that this film came out in 05, and they didn't really, you know, hit their strides as far as, you know, their... Fame, uh, in the roles that they're known for Tennant, you know, being the 10th doctor and Pattinson starring in the twilight films. Uh, so it's just kind of interesting to, to go back and watch this film in the context of where those actors would eventually end up being. And yet they have such a prominent role in this film. It kind of almost shows that they, uh, they were prepared, uh, for for those future roles by this uh, by this film and so I thought that was pretty cool um uh, I am really disappointed in how Quidditch has kind of taken a step back like in the first film it was like really highly sought after and it, it seemed like every subsequent film it's kind of got bumped down to where even though you had a world cup essentially um for Quidditch it really wasn't highlighted at all It just Almost was a excuse to well first off get everybody together to then have the death eaters torture everybody, but also to introduce uh the Bulgarian uh, seeker who would end up being one of the uh, major wizards in the tri wizard tournament, so it really would it's like the Quidditch really didn't matter necessarily. And maybe in one of the future films that world cup might be brought back as brought back. I don't know. Um, it also was, uh, interesting that there were no Americans in that Quidditch tournament. Maybe that's another thing that, uh, just because they focused on the finals and, you know, there wasn't necessarily a, uh, long tournament per se, maybe the Americans were knocked out early in the tournament. I don't know. That's just speculation. That's just me, you know, thinking of trying to figure out this whole thing. Uh, but I thought that was disappointing and you know, you build up Quidditch and it just seems like it's just less and less and less. I guess the same thing could be said with the house cup because it really, that was like the focus of the first film. And then subsequently, um, even the houses there's not really any mention of it especially this film this film there was really no mention of of the houses at all um and again maybe that's something uh in the subsequent films and books that gets brought back up i don't know Um, i understand why there was less of a focus on the quidditch and uh, the houses because you were setting up for the try wizard tournament which um, was an interesting concept um, in one sense and in another sense it it just kind of was confusing in some ways because you have a tournament um, with three different schools I guess um, but they don't necessarily say like how how many times that tournament takes, or that tournament takes place, or, um, cause it doesn't seem like it's an annual thing. Cause obviously, uh, they waited till the fourth year to, to do this. So I don't know if it's something every four years, every, however long, I don't know. Um, uh, but it, it's an interesting concept and it was, uh, they tried to make a big deal of it by having the entrances of the other two, uh, Groups coming to Hogwarts, and I guess if Hogwarts had went to somewhere else, they Hogwarts would have had that um, flare of an introduction. I don't know, but um, it was something where at least it, like I had mentioned in some of the previous films, how uh, how long it took to get to the name of the the title and the the story. In this film, it only took like 22 minutes or so before they mentioned the Goblet of Fire being uh, where they drew the names out of the tournament and that, that the tournament and especially that first challenge or so is probably the one part of the film that I just did not like. And I think a lot of it goes back to forcing drama. I, I feel like that this film, it got drama right, but it also got drama wrong. And I, when I say that it got it right and it got it wrong, it was a, this film was a very darker film than the previous film. Um, the previous film, like I mentioned in the last episode was very jokey, very comedic. It was very slapstick. This film had, had humor at times, but it was really, it was really more dark. Um, and I think a lot of that is because of kind of reintroducing Voldemort and setting up the the eventual clash between him and Harry, the final clash, even though uh, there was a clash in, in this film, but obviously the subsequent final clash, but you have to kind of get darker to get to that point. And so I, I liked that there was some good drama in this film, but like I said, that that part, especially with the first challenge or so, like whenever Harry Potter's name was brought in, uh, to, right up to uh, kind of the second challenge, uh, that drama was just forced because it's like you have all these students who seemingly turn on Harry Potter for no reason uh, and you know, basically hate him. Like he had did something wrong just because his name was put in there, even though he didn't have anything to do with it, but they thought that he did. And because they thought that he did, they just all hated him. I thought that that was a weird way of bringing tension in. And also the way that they brought tension between the trio. I thought that that was kind of weird in, not that there was, um, because obviously in a story like this, with the length that it is, you're obviously going to have natural progression of character development where there's going to be tension. There's going to be, uh, times when characters are going to rub up on each other and there's going to be conflict. Uh, we see that, especially in that first part with Harry and Ron, there's friction, there's, a conflict, but then it seemingly is solved. Like there, it doesn't linger. It's not, there's not any time where that tension or that conflict has room to breathe or that there's uh, any sense of consequence with it. It just seems like uh, it's just brought up, there's tension, and then it's seemingly solved. And kind of the same thing too uh, in that second. Challenge or so, and and with the dance and all that uh, tension with Ron and Hermione, and it's like it just there's there, and then it's seemingly solved. And so, I that's a part of the film where I didn't understand why uh, you would bring up that tension to then just inevitably solve it and, and make it all better, or that you had everyone turn on Harry, and then as soon as he got the egg, they all jumped back on the hairy bandwagon and then it's it's never really addressed in the rest of the film that to me didn't really make a whole lot of sense and that when I think about my enjoyment of the film that's the part of the film that just really didn't make a whole lot of sense and because it didn't really make a whole lot of sense it kind of took a little bit of the enjoyment out of the film however it overall I, I really enjoyed the film but I think that part when I, when I say that I still like the first one better, that's why. is because there's that incongruity there uh, between the characters and the narrative. And it just kind of takes away from that understanding of where the progression of characters are going towards. Um, I did like, and I do like, Snape's development as a character from film to film. And introducing that idea of Snape being a former Death Eater about three-fourths of the way through the film, I thought was pretty interesting because you see him, and you see, at least from the first film to the second and third and to this one, uh, he's becoming more likable. And then it's almost like we they interject that little nugget into the the narrative to make you think, Oh, he, you know, is he going to turn? Is he, you know, we've seen this progression of him, you know, being more likable and good, but will he, you know, turn back on a dime and go back to being uh, a death eater? That's, you know, I I think that, I thought that that was pretty cool. And I also liked, um, how Neville is, becoming more likable uh, in, in that he uh, is more assertive. He's more, uh, I mean, he still has his goofy side to him, but I like that he's kind of progressing forward and becoming uh, more of a quality character, I think. And speaking of uh, the progression and character, I feel like that there was a little bit of a positive step for Ron in, in his character. I mentioned uh, in the previous f- uh, two podcasts how two and three, he seemed to have regressed. And in this one, it it feels like that he progressed, but it took until almost the very end of the film to, to see where he gets to a point where he's kind of progressing because he's still in... A lot of ways it it's that teenage angst that you see out of him which uh, is understandable and natural but I think that by the end of this film it's almost like he has kind of taken that step forward as far as uh, progressing again and so it makes me look forward to the next film when hopefully uh, seeing a little more progression. Hermione again Probably out of the three, is probably the more standout character as far as development and growth. Um, although Harry, I like the fact that in this film, Harry's not the one who's the rebel. Uh, like I mentioned in the previous episodes, Harry was almost trying to be the rebel. Like he was, you know, he that he was proactive in being a rebel. And in this film. It was more reactive. Like, it wasn't his doing that he got put into the tournament. It wasn't his doing that, you know, certain things were happening. Uh, It's because, you know, other people were putting him into it and he just kind of got swept up in it. But, you know, his character of himself uh, was more of a higher quality that he was more noble um, I mean we see that several times uh, and even when he had the choice in the maze of uh, leaving characters behind um, for you know to to get the cup he didn 't do that he cared for the other competitors that were in the tournament and so I like the fact that it was you know there was less emphasis on him being a rebel and more of an emphasis of him being a noble quality guy and so i i i like that there's that progression of his character as as going forward as well as the fact that showing that he is becoming that wizard um in strength and and uh knowledge and so forth like he actually is that great wizard that you know everyone's supposed you know suppose him to be he again is taking more steps uh, to him being that uh, great wizard. Um, one of the other things that kind of stood out to me was the the weird dichotomy that of how Harry Potter is viewed um, in, in this film. And I, I mentioned it earlier, is the fact of he's hated, he's loved. He's hated, he's loved. And it's... This film just—it just seemed like the key, it kept turning on a dime, as to how uh, people and characters viewed him. And I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand why that was. Especially, uh, I would have understood it if it was you know his first year at Hogwarts and people didn't know him. But it's like it's the fourth year. He should you know all the other students there and professors should know who he is and what he's about and so it that just seemed weird how that just kind of kept changing back and forth uh, throughout this film how it was viewed uh, or how they were viewed um you know i mentioned earlier it's darker uh this film was a very darker film and i think the maze sequence very much captured that there were some very uh, horror elements to that uh, sequence with uh, how it was shot how uh, the sound effects uh, everything to that scene uh, very much played up like a horror film and I thought that was interesting especially because you uh, it led up to the return of voldemort and and that battle that took place between Harry and and voldemort so you, it it, the maze kind of set that scene up because you couldn't have you couldn't have went from Jokey Jokey to Voldemort you had to have that kind of transition and I thought the maze with its dark elements with its horror style uh, lent itself well to having that transition into um, to Voldemort and that return um, and I, I thought it was very funny uh, when they revealed the Death Eaters and Lucius Malfoy was a Death Eater and it's like, well, of course he is because, you know, he, he's dark, he's evil. He's just, you know, it, it just makes sense that he is that, uh, he's a part of that group and that he would be with Voldemort. Um, although I, I also wrote down, uh, earlier with uh, his son Draco, uh, that, at least his ha- his hairstyle gets better with each film it it seemed like in the first film his hair was horrible and it seemed like with each progressive film it's it's at least getting better and better so that he actually looks like a a normal person and not this really this campy uh, as i mentioned last time pro wrestling heel like he actually looks like a normal normal kid at this point uh with his hairstyle and but maybe that'll change maybe in the next one he goes back to having a weird goofy hairstyle but um, at least for this film it seems like the progression of normal hairstyles uh, for Draco is is progressing in a uh, manner that makes sense Um, it's weird that they would have that the the conflict between uh, Voldemort and Harry here, but I guess when you when it's seven books this technically is the middle the middle middle part so um, or I guess you're almost essentially over halfway through uh, with the story um, you kind of need to have a setup of a, a conflict or a battle but I almost think it would have made more sense to wait until the fifth one uh, to have that quote unquote initial one, even though the initial one was when Harry was a baby. Um, But it just kind of seems weird that it was kind of, you know, he's revived and then boom, they go into a battle. Um, But it makes sense uh, in in the story in the sense that, you know, they needed some kind of climactic battle because they really didn't have it with uh, Tennant's character. Uh, that would have made more sense if there had been a battle between Tennant's character and Harry instead. But they kind of, kind of shoehorned it into more of he was just the the puppet uh, the puppet master pulling all the strings to get Harry. There to revive Voldemort, but not necessarily them fight. Um, but overall, like I said, I thought this was a good film. I, I I would out of the four so far I've watched, I would put this one number two um, behind the first one and ahead of the second and, and third films. Um, when I was kind of wrapping up with my notes, I wrote down how. This is like the summer camp film. And it really, it really, really is. The Goblet of Fire was the summer camp year for (laughs) Hogwarts because uh, you had these groups of people coming together from different backgrounds and different places. And they had to like do these different games and tournaments. And then you had this dance where people got asked to and it was very middle school uh, asking, uh, asking for dates to the dance, and then at the end of the film, you had everyone saying their goodbyes and everything, and so it was just very summer camp like. What what was this film? And so I th- I thought that was kind of an interesting thought that just came to my head as as the ending was happening. And overall, I like the ending too because it kind of made sense uh, with Hermione saying things were changing, and and they are because both in the fact that their lives individually was changing, but then also just collectively uh, you know, knowing that Voldemort is alive and out there and you know, he's the threat that's looming ahead. Uh, you know Things are going to change. They're not going to uh, be what they once were. And so it, it was both a kind of foreshadowing kind of an ending, but also it was kind of upbeat because there was – uh, there was still that kind of triumph of, uh, you know, Harry surviving and, you know, winning the tri, uh, wizard tournament. Uh, so that's my thoughts on Goblet of Fire, uh, after seeing it for the first time. Uh, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this film. Uh, where, you know, what did you think when you saw this film? What, 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 what are some of your takeaways uh, from when you watched it for the first time or watched it for the 50th time, uh, I'd love to know. Uh, you can email the podcast, screen nerdspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet the show uh, at screen nerdspod. You can find me on Twitter there. Uh, and please, please share this podcast, uh, share the link, uh, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, s- uh, subscribe, uh, rate, and review. Let people know what's going on here with this podcast because uh, I would love to you know, continue to build this community uh, of film lovers and TV lovers so that we can just share uh, in the things that we enjoy about uh, film and TV. And so I'd love to uh, have you help bridge and build this community together with me. So thanks for joining me, and I hope to catch you on the next episode. Later.